0: So we're going into week two. We took a break from our Luke series, and we're doing a series on misunderstandings. And I'd like to um, add to that, that heading of misunderstandings. How about misrepresentations, too, of Scripture? Now, there's a word we use here in New York that, depending how you say it, it has many different meanings. And that word is Good. And I think New Yorkers are the ones who really only use this. I haven't heard someone outside. So if you go up to somebody, right? If I go up to Mike over here and I'm like, hey, Mike, you good? That that means I'm asking him, how is he doing? Is everything okay in his life? Or then you could go, yo, Mike, you good? That means you got a problem, (laughs) right? Or you could use it in a response. You could be like, yo, it's all good. That means don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Or it could be like, it's all good. That means there is a problem and we're going to deal with it later, right? And what I'm going to be preaching on today is the word good. And it's found in this scripture that you have on your service sheets. And I've titled this message, The Goodness of God. If you can just find your service sheets, it's Romans eight twenty-six through 30. Let's read the scripture together. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example... We we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given, given them right standing, he gave them his glory. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. I pray as we get ready to uh, jump in and look over the scripture, Lord God, that you would open our eyes to see it in a new way, open our ears to hear it in a new way. I pray that we would leave here encouraged, knowing that we've met with the living God, knowing that you spoke to us, Lord God, and that your word has renewed our mind and our hearts today. Would you hide me, your servant, behind the cross? Would you speak through me, Lord God, that, um, that I wouldn't be up here, but that I would just be an oracle, a mouthpiece for you today, Lord God. We thank you for what you want to do in and through us, and we leave it all in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the verse that I'm honing in on is verse 28. It's probably one of the most misunderstood and misrepresented verses that are out there. If you've been to Hobby Lobby. You've probably seen it on a plaque or something to take home. It might be on coasters for you to take home, right? I'm not playing, I'm not dissing Hobby Lobby, all you Hobby Lobby lovers. You know, the weekend trips to Hobby Lobby, picking up your Bible and, and uh, Bible scriptures on your cup and your mug and all that kind of stuff. I'm not playing you guys. It's it's a good place. Um, I love it. But verse 28 gets misrepresented in so many ways. And what happens is that we read that. And we've heard it um, preached in so many ways, and we misunderstand what it's saying, and we walk around and we think every bad situation in life, there's going to be a silver lining. There's going to be a good. If we're in God, there's going to be a good coming from it, right? And what happens is that we walk around with this false sense of hope in God, and then when the bad situation doesn't turn good, we get angry with God. We're disappointed with God. We think that God has failed us in some way, shape, or form. And my hope today is to actually help you to see the scripture as Paul intended it when he wrote it to the church in Rome and for us believers now today. So my first point for today is we're not alone in our suffering, okay? We're not alone in our suffering, now, if you do me a favor, if you go back up to the top, um, if you, anybody have their Bibles, physical Bible or Bible app uh, on their phone, good. If you look at the top, this, this portion of Scripture actually starts in verse 18. And you look at the heading of verse 18, it says, the future glory. Okay? So we have to understand what Paul is speaking about, right? Because if you just take a portion of text and you read it by itself you're going to misunderstand that portion of the text. You're not going to understand what's going on in it. So Paul here is talking about the future glory. He's talking to the church in Rome, and he's talking about the future glory. And the beauty of it is that he starts off that, and it says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory who will reveal to us later. So the implied understanding here is that you're going to suffer. Yes, you came to church on the Sunday that someone's talking about. You're going to suffer. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) But the beauty that starts off in verse 26 is that we're not alone in our suffering. He says the Holy Spirit helps us when we can't verbalize our suffering. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've suffered in my life. I've suffered heartache. As a family, we've suffered tragedy, we've suffered sickness, all these different things. And oftentimes in your suffering, you don't know what to pray for, and you don't know how to pray. When you're going in the midst of your suffering, when the midst of the thing that's causing you so much pain, so much heartache, so much trouble, it might be sickness, it might be death of a loved one, it might be... um, some turmoil, you know, where you're losing your job and there's, there, there's, there's nothing looking um, bright in the future for you to have a job. The economy is going horribly. All these things could be happening to you. In the midst of your suffering, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to pray. And oftentimes it comes out as, Ugh. <sighs> if you want to be real, that's, that's what it's like when you're suffering. When you're walking around your bedroom, or you're in your bathroom and no, no one can see you cry. And you're just crying. You don't have words. You don't know what to ask Jesus. The Holy Spirit, Paul says, he understands those things. He translates them. And he prays according to God's will for you, for your need in the midst of your suffering. The Holy Spirit prays us he goes to the father and he prays and the father releases what we need and oftentimes it's not the end of the suffering that we're hoping to get it's the strength to continue to believe to continue to walk it's the grace in the midst of the suffering to trust jesus that he'll be with you every step of the way See, you're not alone in your suffering. You might be alone in your home. You might be alone in your bathroom. You might be alone in your car. But you're not alone in your suffering because the spirit will be with us. The Bible says that God never leaves us and never forsakes us. Why is that? Because the spirit lives inside of us and he's with us in the midst of it all. In the midst of the divorce, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the pain, he's with us. In the midst of the hospital visits that just don't make sense, he's with you. James chapter one, verse 12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres in the trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. It calls us blessed to persevere in the midst of trial. And the only way that you persevere in the midst of a trial is by the Holy Spirit interceding on your behalf. Because I've been there, like I said, I've been there where I don't have words and I don't know what to pray and I don't know if I'm going to continue to walk with Jesus. If I can be real with you, you don't know if tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, yeah, Jesus is still good. Jesus is still Lord of my life. But the Holy Spirit, he prays. Fresh faith comes. Fresh grace comes. It's amazing to see what God does when we don't even get a chance to pray or speak. He's moving always. And that's the first good that I wanted to point out to you. Is that the Holy Spirit is always with us. So if we're going to face suffering, then what good can come out of our suffering? My second point today is, the good of God, it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> First, let's look at who was Paul speaking to in this text. If we go back in verse 28, It ends with this, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He's speaking to the believers. This statement, like I said before, it may be sold in Hobby Lobby, but it's not for everybody. It's not for the Joe Schmo on the train right now who doesn't believe in Jesus. This scripture is not for them, it's for us. It's for the church. And if we understand who he's speaking to, he's speaking to the church in Rome. This is the church that was in the heart of the empire. This is the church that was around when Nero was ruling. Nero, who threw Christians to lions to be torn apart. Christians who were persecuted in Rome. Over and over again, he's speaking to them and he's saying, Yeah, there's gonna be suffering. But like I said first, you're not alone. And there's a good that's gonna come out of this. But the good that Paul was referencing is not a good that's happening right now, it's not an immediate good. If we're honest with ourselves, We probably walked around with this verse and we've claimed it over our lives in the midst of hard situations. We're like, but God's going to work all things out for the good. God's going to work all things out for the good and we're expecting the good to come at some point in time. So when you're sick, you're expecting a good doctor's report at some point in time. No, I believe you, Jesus. You're going to do it. You're going to heal me. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he gives you the strength to walk in the midst of that sickness. He's still good. He's the kind of good, like I was saying earlier, we use good and we flip it around. There's only one kind of good, and God is the only good that, that exists. Every other kind of good that we use fails in comparison to the good that Jesus is to us. So Paul's implying a future good. Good. And as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help to also be watching the NBA Finals. (laughs) And it actually took me back to a few weeks ago, the Milwaukee Bucks lost to the Miami Heat, right? Yeah, they lost to the Heat. And uh, they asked Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who won a championship a few years ago, they asked him if this season was a failure because they didn't win a championship. And he replied and said, no, it wasn't a failure, that there's building blocks and all of that. And I thought that that explanation, that response was weak, right? These men in the NBA and Major League Baseball and all these uh, sports and these women in sports, they're working towards one goal. It's a championship. If you don't have a championship, the season's a failure. That's your goal. Your goal can't be... I want to be 10 wins better than I was last year. That's, you don't get paid millions of dollars to win 10 more games. You get paid millions of dollars to win the prize at the end of the season, to win the big trophy. As Christians, for us, there's a future glory ahead of us. And Paul is telling the church, keep your eyes fixed on the future glory, not the current situation. Don't fix your eyes on your suffering because all your suffering is going to cause you to do is wallow in self um, in depravity, in, in self-doubt. Oh, God isn't good. God doesn't love me. I'm suffering for no reason. No, 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 no. There's a future glory. I have my eyes on that prize, not this one. I have my eyes on that prize. If your prize is anything else than future glory, you're looking at the wrong thing and you're going to be utterly disappointed. Paul's reminding the church in Rome, look forward, look ahead to the future glory. Yeah, I know you're suffering. I've been there. If there's anybody who knew suffering, it was Paul. My man was shipwrecked, stoned, jailed, whipped, everything you could think of. And his eyes were fixed on one prize and one prize only. It was the future glory. And he always reminded us of it. It's heaven. It's Jesus. It's being with him. That's the thing that you keep your eyes on. First Peter 1, 6 and 7. Peter says it like this. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purified gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter just flips it, right? He starts off with wonderful joy ahead. And then he's like, and there's many trials. And as Christians, we hate to hear that. And I wish as a preacher, as an elder of the church, I wish I could tell you it's going to get easier. Um, I really wish that once you uh, receive Jesus into your heart, he makes everything great. And we just walk around on cloud nine all the time. But that's not the way it is. Many times, if we can be honest, our lives are much easier before we knew Jesus. We weren't persecuted. We weren't suffering the way that we are now. If we could be truly honest with ourselves, before we knew Jesus, because we were so dim and we didn't know what was going on, we were good. We were enjoying life, partying, being with family, being with friends, all these kind of things. But then when we know Jesus, our eyes are opened to the truth. This is all temporary. It's all gonna fade away at some point in time. And at the end, we have to stand before the maker of heaven and earth. And when I get there, I wanna be welcomed in. I wanna be with Jesus. I don't wanna go to the other place. It ain't a party like the TV or movies show it. There's no party down there. There's nothing else going on. Winnie's smiling right now when I said that. (laughs) You know, I wanna be with Jesus. That's what Paul's reminding them. Keep your eyes. Yeah, there's trials. Peter said it. There's many trials. But at the end of the day, I want the crown of life. I want to sit next to Jesus at a banquet table and feast with the king of kings. I want no more tears and no more weeping. I want no more pain. I just want joy. I want a sun that never sets. That's the reality. That's what he's talking about. And when we look at our lives, we can look at it like this. Think of a puzzle. I love doing puzzles. My mom's right there. We did a puzzle on vacation a few years ago. I think it took us like half the vacation, and then there was one piece that we couldn't find, and we looked everywhere. Yes, everybody's disappointed right now. (laughs) That is the worst thing, right? Imagine opening up a brand new puzzle, putting it together, spending all that time, and then you have one piece that's missing. Just destroys the whole puzzle. But in saying that, our life is like a puzzle. There will be good times. There will be bad times. There will be crummy times. There will be times and seasons of utter suffering, of loss, of pain. And then there's beautiful times where we'll be with family and we can remember all the good. There'll be times where we see people come to Christ and there's nothing like it. This weekend, when there's kids that gave their life to Christ, I've been in churches where... There's no celebration. These kids were celebrating their friends coming to know Jesus. They went nuts cheering for them. And at some point in time, these young people are going to face suffering that's gonna hurt. But when the puzzle's done, and we won't see it on this side of heaven, but on the other side, it was good. I'm better off because I, I, I experienced that. I don't know why now, but when you get to heaven, the picture becomes clear. You can see it. If you do a big enough puzzle, right, and you stand like within five feet of it, you can't get, don't understand, you can't see the beauty of it. You have to get further and further back. So when we get to heaven and we look down on our lives, we're going to see the beauty of what God was doing in the midst of it. So what was Paul speaking about? My last point. It's the goodness of his glory. Like I was saying the goodness that we seek it comes from heaven. And the beauty is that Paul orchestrated and wrote this so wonderfully. We become sons and daughters. Jesus is the first among many brethren. It's not just for Jesus. He shares his glory with us. That's the goodness of God wrapped up and summed up in everything that I could say. It's his goodness. It's the fact that we get to be with him in glory. If my life goes 95 years, 100 years, God bless me if I live that long. My feet are not good right now. Um... But let's say this momentary life of a hundred years, it fails a comparison to eternity and glory. Family, friends, believer, non-believer in the room. Paul was lining us up, was lining the church up in Rome, and he's saying, look to that glory. And let that be your, your, your north star. Let that be how you walk and how you live this life. Don't allow the suffering to take you down. Don't allow the suffering to wrap up your mind and to hold you back. And don't, 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 fix, your, don't fix your gaze down on the suffering that you're momentarily enduring. But look up. Because you're not alone. God is still good. In the midst of all of it. Because Jesus didn't have to step down from glory to make it right for us. He chose to. He saw the situation and he chose to come down. And he wrapped himself in a man and he endured. Today is Communion Sunday. He endured the suffering that we deserved. So we don't have to go through that suffering. Yeah, though we suffer, we don't have to go through that. I don't know about you guys. I wouldn't want my, my body spread out on a cross. I wouldn't want nails through my hands or feet. I wouldn't want to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. I wouldn't want a crown of thorns from my head. I wouldn't want to be beat by Roman soldiers. I wouldn't want to have to hang in shame of all that I've done wrong so the world can look at me. That's what he did. And he did it so he could share his glory with us. Band, you could come up. Alicia, you could come up. As I get ready to close, like I was saying, this verse has been so misrepresented And it has so many believers walking around and they're angry with God, disappointed because it hasn't made everything good for them. And like I was saying earlier, their response to Jesus is, You good? They're angry, disappointed. Why'd you do this? Why'd you allow this to happen? Why did this have to happen to me as a kid? Why was this done to me? Why did you allow all these things? Walking around and expecting some kind of good to come out of it, and there may never be any good that comes out of it. They believe Jesus is some kind of genie or some kind of magician. He's just gonna magically make it all right. If we're honest, we treat Jesus like the Mike Holmes of our lives. If you don't know who Mike Holmes is, he's a guy on HGTV that fixes people's homes whose houses have been demolished by contractors. And he goes and he makes it right. That's the whole point of his show. And we're expecting Jesus to just make everything right for us. Make it all good, Jesus. Yet Paul reminds us that suffering has been promised. There isn't a rainbow on the other side of every storm of life. But God remains with us. He even prays for us. He pours out his strength, his grace, his mercy, whatever is needed for that time. And he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he gives us the promise, the stamp, the seal of a future glory with him. There's probably two people in the room today. There's probably people who are angry with God right now. It's okay. I tell people all the time, God's a big boy. You can tell him that you're angry. Don't worry. He already knows your heart. He already knows what you're dealing with. There's going to be leaders lined up on the side. If you're angry with God, but you want to go and you want to talk to him, go up and pray with somebody. Nobody's going to judge you in this room. Nobody's going to look down on you because I've been there. I've been angry with God, and I've let him know, and I've let him know in non-Christian words that I was angry with him it's okay and then there's some other people in the room and I believe this with all my heart you don't know if there's glory at the end for you you've questioned that we'll pray for you too but I don't want anybody leaving here today walking around with a false assumption of who God is and that life is going to be all good But I want you to walk around and know that you're not alone. You walk with Jesus. He's with you. And if you keep your eyes fixed on glory, everything else at some point in time will fade away. And you'll be there with him one day. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for your word today, God. God, I thank you that the goodness of God is bigger than what we think it is, Lord God. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that your spirit is with us always. Even your word says you're with us to the end of the age. Thus, Lord God, wherever we make our bed, wherever we go, Lord God, you're there with us. Thank you for the sweet reminder that life will not be easy. It's not gonna be all good. But with you, we'll always be where we need to be. Thank you that you've given us a North Star. You've given us a fixed point to keep our focus on. You've given us a crown of life to strive for, Lord God, to work for, to run towards, Lord God so that when the struggles, when the pain, when the trouble of life comes upon us, God, we can look to that. And we can know that it's all going to be worth it at the end, Lord God. Though we don't have the answers on this side of heaven, though we don't don't know if it's going to be good at some point in time, God, we have you to look forward to, Lord Jesus. You are more than enough for us. You are our prize, Lord God. And I thank you that we are your prize. We love you. Work on our hearts in this moment, Lord God. Don't let us leave here the same, Jesus. Pray all of this in your precious name. Amen.